Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. March, isn't it? I'm sweating my tits off. Yes, well, literally, I wish. Um, <laughs> Press reduction, that's another topic we should yes, talk about. Yes, another day, another day. <laughs> yes, so many topics for another day. Um, so, um, how's your week been? Anything exciting? Oh, well, I think we finally opened our show. I know, I know we finally opened our show. It's yep. been running and we're starting to get some reviews in. It's been really good. Um, yeah, so great reviews. Yes, actually. yes, people um, we'll are very excited. On the Facebook page as well. Um, you can check out the Revolutionist, which is a show that Asabi's in at the moment, and then of course her next show coming up. I will tell you about that next time. Yes, next time. Yeah, that's that's coming up. Yes, I seem to be going back to back. It's kind of like twenty twenty one is making up for all the loss of twenty twenty, which is a good thing. I'm definitely not upset about that. No. What about you? What have you been working on? What am I working on? I'm slowly getting a few things together um, acting-wise. I'm working on my voice reel and doing a few other things. Yeah. Um, and I've also just started a, a traineeship with a beauty company, Alabashé. Oh, fantastic. I love Alabashé. Uh, well, it's, it's exciting because I had such a, a tumultuous year last year with with moving from uh, being in the, the airline industry to medical to all this other stuff I do outside of being an actor and a performer. And so now I kind of feel like a little bit of routine. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, and a few other little little things that I'm collaborating with at the moment, but I can't talk about it, so we'll move on. Yes, let's move on. So we have a very special guest with us today. I was going to let you do the honours of introducing our Excellent. guest. Excellent. Well, Luke and I have been friends for a few years now. We met through a mutual friend, Jeff, mm-hmm. haven't we? Um, Luke Mays is a Brisbane-based photographer and filmmaker. His directorial feature film debut, Forever First Love, is a love story set in and around a Filipino very busy market. The colours and the sounds mirror the intense emotions that Paul, the main character, feels when he stumbles across his forever first love, Anna. Now, this, uh, the original title of the film was Sage of Time, but Forever First Love, you have to tell me why you changed it for that, but also, it's a, a beautiful film. Um, I was privileged to go and see it uh, one of the screenings and was just blown away by the intense colours, the cinematography, that you felt drawn into this very intimate uh, couples reacquainting, reacquainting with each other. And I don't know, it was really beautiful. I was quite, I actually think I got teared up a bit, a little mm-hmm. bit in one of the bits. I think I looked over at you and I had a bit of a tear and I was like, oh. mm-hmm. um, it's a beautiful film and I hope all of Australia and the world gets to see it. Um, obviously it's written by you, directed mm-hmm. by you and Brilliantly acted by Stephen Brooke and Carlotta Morelli. Mm-hmm. Or Morales. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, if we get a chance, let's talk a little bit more about that film. But hey, Luke, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? <laughs> we're good. Hot, good? but um, very good. Yeah. <laughs> are you enjoying your lovely wine? I am, actually. It's very nice. Thank you. We're having a very fresh uh, New Zealand Pinot Grigio today, folks. So if you're feeling thirsty while you listen to this podcast, that's the one you should go for. Nice. What's the name of it? <sighs> Cradle Bay. Cradle Bay. <laughs> Love it. Love mm. it. It's beautiful. I like it. It's very fresh, um, especially during this heat. Goes well, really nice with the brie and a cheddar we just had. Mm-hmm. So make sure you get that sorted. Very cool. So now, Luke, you are a filmmaker and photographer. Mm-hmm. Let's, and you've just done your first feature, but have you done some short films? I've done a number of them. I did about 10, 15. Okay. Between that, yeah. Cool. Uh, over um, since the year 2000, so 20 years worth. Fantastic. And what got you into filmmaking? I saw Superman the movie as a four-year-old. That'll That's do it. it. <laughs> That's, it. <laughs> That's amazing to have that that sort of cognitive capacity at the age of four. Oh well, those opening credits, and then you got Marlon Brando, and then you yeah. realize you're the Superman, and yeah. Christopher Reeve, and yeah, yeah. it's pretty. So I have always been obsessed with films. Now you're were a film you? Buff. Yeah. Were you one of those kids whose parents, you know, bought them like a little what was it, like a little camcorder sort of thing, and you went around making films with your friends? Not really. Not until I, I didn't get a camera until I was like sixteen. Like okay. In high school, and we could uh, we could train, uh, do film and TV for a subject. At yes. School. Yes. And I told my father, "Look, you've given my sisters instruments. Well, the cameras like an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> Buy me a, yeah, a Very camera. Very smart. Very yeah. smart. Yeah. Yeah. So Very that's cool. The first time. Yeah. And. I'm curious to know, what kind of films did you make as a teenager? Ooh, um, well, we had to, when we were at school, we had to make a documentary and we had to make like a genre thing. So we did this like, uh, you know, film noir, private eye type things as school students will do. Um, and I played the lead in that. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> um, and, uh, did you still have it? No, it got lost. I, really oh, that. That. I mean, I've acted before, but yeah, that was the first time. It was bad. And then I... Um, and then we had to do like a non-narrative film, which got me into trouble at school. Uh, what does so that mean, non-narrative? Well, no, so narrative can be arty. Oh right, okay. I, I kind of like a plastic bag is floating through the yes, air. Yes, but I did oh, this American kind Beauty. of. That's yeah. right. And I did this kind of uh, life journey type thing. Sure, fast cut, sure. Lots of imagery, and I was a bit naughty, and I put a bit of sort of X-rated stuff in there just to see what I get away with. And a little bit of nudity. Oh uh, yeah, a little, yeah. And it was funny because my my wonderful teacher, she was. Uh, Thinking back, she probably was only about thirty-three at the time, and she'd worked in the industry. And she, I got summoned to her office in the middle of lunchtime, like because someone had said, "Oh, you've made like a, a dirty movie, like you've been." And of course, it goes around the whole school. Of course, yes. So I go down and see her, and then she is winding through it frame by frame. <gasps> and I'm like, oh no! Oh, and she, it was pretty funny, but she sort of said to me, "I expected better from you, and you know, you wow, you know, deduct you a level." Oh, but sucks. was it arty? I mean, was there a purpose to... A little bit, but I was probably pushing it. Yeah. You were being I remember those editing suites filming TV days, mm-hmm. and you could do literally frame by frame yes. by frame yes. by frame. How yeah. intense. That's right. So, yeah, I got... Yeah. Anyway, it was all great. I learned from that. Well, I, I think I did. That's amazing. <laughs> Outside of film, because we'll touch on that yeah. a little bit more as well, because I do want to talk about your, your short films, which led to your feature. Mm-hmm. But you have been taking photos of some pretty sensational actors and models. Mm-hmm. Some of them Australia-wide, a lot of them Brisbane-based. Mm-hmm. Your favourite location, where is that? Oh, no, we can't ask that as a photographer, can we? Oh, yeah, no, well, Brisbane, I find, you can find little pockets that are really cool, and outside is really cool. I mm. find interior is really hard in Brisbane, because mm. we don't have a lot of, sort of, 
all the heritage type just stuff that looks really it's all been sort of what do you call it? renovated yeah and yeah. everything's boxy and white and mm. I, that yep. gets really frustrating sometimes <laughs> sounds like my boyfriends I'm pretty good at being dropped anywhere and I can pick the camera up and go with it I really love some of the ones you've done recently um, in, in um, the mountain what's it called the Mount Tambourine yeah oh uh, yes yep so you can check some of these photos out at lukemaysphotography.com. Yes. Uh, is it .au or just .com? .com. Yeah. .com. Some beautiful shots. And then also you do corporate as well as weddings. Do you yep. enjoy doing them as much as you enjoy doing your film work? Well, I mean, it's always the best to do the stuff you love, you know, the creative stuff. But now corporates and all that can be fine depending on what the job is. Okay. Mm. And if it's artistic enough, or you know, you get to be creative with it, yeah. And I find that if you are creative, they'll like it even more what you do. Like, yeah. give them what they think they want, and then do what you think they they should get, and then you get a good. You do a bit of a mix. Yeah. I yeah. saw a cool picture on your website um, underneath the corporate banner, and I've got a thing for high vis. Everybody knows it. <laughs> you had a really cool picture of, um, but it was sort of out of focus in the background, and then a, an image and a logo of a yes, high vis. That's right. Yeah. That's a very powerful shot. Yeah. And exactly. it doesn't have to be a face of somebody or yeah. an actual mm-hmm. event. Yeah. It just looks like, oh my God, we're moving in motion, we're working, we're doing this, this is what we do. Yeah. And I got such a good vibe from that shot. Yeah. So, yeah. well done. Thank you. You'll have to take some photos of me and Asabi in a, in a field with wine. Yes. I wish you could do that. And totally. flowers. Absolutely. <laughs> or wheat. It can be done. I'm from Oklahoma, so I love wheat. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, know, you can't make wine out of wheat. No, but you can make alcohol from wheat. Got a point. <laughs> 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 so it's very true. All right, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with our amazing guest. What happens when you put three of Brisbane's most talented musicians together to create a playlist? You get the new podcast, Shuffology. Join your three favorite Shuffologists on a journey through time, space, Shuffology, and playlist creation. Every Sunday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere where a podcast is available. Playlists are available on Spotify after the show. Uh, that's not kind of productions podcast. And we're back with Luke Mays from Luke Mays Photography and also the director of Forever First Love. So you filmed Forever First Love in to, uh, the beginning of 20, March 2019. Wow, so that's two years ago. This yeah, month. it's crazy. Well, now. Yeah. Yeah. We were shooting it. It's crazy. The time has flown. So and how long did the shoot go for? Uh, we shot, well, we were there for three weeks, but we filmed for 11 days, which wow. is crazy. Mm. It's a full-length feature film. It's a feature film, yeah. That's amazing. 11 days in the absolute chaos of filming. I think that should be a lesson to all filmmakers everywhere, that you can do a feature film in less than two weeks. You can. And mm. I mean, look, I will never do that again. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, after doing three, I mean, when I walked away, we thought, God, if we'd done that in 20 days, we just would have had, because we were just going so fast. Sure, and sure. We had no time to think about what we, what we did, but I was prepared, but you just don't get time to sort of think back about what you're doing. But I kind of feel like that's the fast motion of you actually filming and getting the story done makes sense because that's the vibe that uh, Stephen or the, the main character of Paul, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So Paul, he's in the markets. He's he's you know taking photos. He's a photographer, which yeah. is funny. He's he's obviously 
Yeah. So wait, wait, this Kanye. is a film Kanye. by a photographer about a photographer? Yeah, yeah, let me, let me, let me get to that. This yeah. guy, he's in, he's in the markets and he's yeah. taking some photos and he, he's, you know, he's taking photos of all things colourful and then his camera touches on this gorgeous creature who moves through the crowd and, and he kind of chases around, not rooftops, but up over a, uh, a few things to sure. get the shot of mm. the girl. Mm. Yeah. And um, the whole time that first scene was coming out and acting, I'm like, hmm, this seems semi-autobiographical. Right. Is it? Uh, not, I mean, not really, but yes. I mean, I mainly mostly photography because it's visual. Yes. You can create something. I mean, if he's an accountant, he's sitting in an office. But a photography <laughs> getting mad. But look, I'm sure some of that movie, it, I know it is autobiographical in places, but it's funny that people always assume I'm him. And yeah. I'm probably a blend of both of those people. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. That's exactly what. Because not only did you direct it, but you wrote it. Yes. So you're a blend of both characters mixing together to create this beautiful love story. I hope so. And it was based on, like, she was based on my first girlfriend who was French. Mm. So, and, you know, we had, and then I had another girlfriend who was Croatian. So I want, I did definitely want the character to be a foreigner and not Australian. Mm. Also because it meant that the distance between them, when they finally re- reunite after 19 years or 17 years. Yeah. I mean, if they lived in Sydney and he lived in Brisbane, well, there's no reason why they yeah, they just seen each other on the weekend. It's different yeah. though. It's different yeah. though. Mm. We can travel like that now, yeah. but yeah. back then, 10, 15 years ago, it was expensive and mm-hmm. it was tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't have the internet and he didn't have, he couldn't reconnect with these people unless he sent letters and stuff yes. like that. So, yeah. Yes. Pen pals. Yeah. So, um, and this this character, Paul, yeah. how much of it do you reckon is you? I think some, I mean, definitely some of it is me, but other bits when he gets quite conservative in his ways aren't me at all yeah. like I'm the complete opposite I know <laughs> and, and, sh- and she's more like me in other ways so um, but that's what was fun about it and it was fun in the story to reverse the kind of what you'd expect in a normal movie she'd be the one sort of wanting marriage and all these things and then you made it him and then she's the one who's a bit more carefree and like oh whatever you know, you're I did there. love that Yeah, I'm so sick of the, the narrative of the woman wanting more from the man when a lot of the time it's around the it's other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sabi and I can contribute to that, right? Definitely, definitely. And, I, and when I, I've still got the original notes I wrote down. So I wrote down, you know, basically man-child and she was going to be, um, you know, someone who had a life sort of... She was more the adult and then th- that was the two things I wrote down and I knew that she would... I just knew that the whole thing would lead up to them, him waking up in the morning and everything's flipped. Mm. And he wakes up and then suddenly she's just like, yeah, okay. You know about everything that has happened, even though he thought he just lived through the, the greatest night of his life. Mm, mm. Yeah, so I knew that's where it was going to go. And I really hope Australian audiences, well, worldwide audiences, get to see it. So cross fingers for some news soon. Please let us know what happens with uh, Forever First Love because I'm really excited. There's another um, short film that you won accolades for and mm-hmm. some awards for. Tell us about that. Which one? I have a few. Okay, so first... <laughs> yeah, you're right, sorry. <laughs> well, because um, I remember the one that I watched, and I, yeah. it was amazing. Um, Silver Stiletto or Prep Rules? Prep Rules. The boarding oh, school the one. Bo- oh. Yes. This is epic. Yeah. Okay, so you can find this on your website. On your website. All, website, all, my okay, all of these productions are now. Tell us about... Yes, this is the one. So I'll Prep Rules was based on my um, events that I went through going to boarding school in Toowoomba when I was wow. a teenager. So... And if you ever want to see that kind of, you know, the elite private school, boys' schools and the bullying and all that kind of stuff, I went straight through all of that through high wow. school. 
And so I made a short film about that, the, the rugby culture, the, um, the very, I suppose you could say misogynistic ways, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. which is still all around, and I think people like to say that things have changed. They really haven't. And yeah. the obsessions with sports and, you know, being Australians, we know how much our country is obsessed with sports and how we um, hail our, you know, yep. rise up our sports stars. And so, like, when I was at high school, and especially uh, in Toowoomba, at boarding school, and if you didn't play sport, then there was something wrong with you. And how wow. dare you not want to play sport? And why wouldn't you want to be down on the field cheering for the, the year, you know, the year 12 football teams? It's just like, I'd much rather go and watch Indiana Jones at the cinema. Or yeah, or exactly, exactly. I don't have any interest in you people, but... Um, was there a bit of a homophobic culture? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, And, you know, so. it took me a number of years to even for myself to stop saying certain slur words mm. that became just normal in your speech. Because when we're at school, I mean, the words were thrown around like second nature. And you never not... I mean, you don't even hear your own name until I went to university. Wow. Because yes. you just, nickname. hey, Mays, that's all you ever hear. You never hear yeah. your first name. And sure. then you go to uni and you're like, oh, everyone's calling me Luke again. I find that so fascinating, I, and I'm realizing now that I've never really had a conversation with a man who's gone through sort of an all-boys school mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. What is that, in terms of what they teach you about women, Ooh. what is that like? Um, they don't teach you anything about women, really. I mean, I was lucky enough to have grown up in a household with three older sisters, my brother, so, and all my sisters are very sort of, very strong independent women. Mm. Um, but no, you're not taught anything, and you know, the way that, uh, well, you're not taught anything, and so you just think of guys all the time, and all the usual nonsense that's spoken about and talked about, and, um. I think, actually, touching on that, how good would it be if the curriculum was changed for all boys' school to do, um, a, a, you know, a, a term of respecting women, respecting mm. people around you, respecting... Just, just respect. respect. I yes. totally agree with you. And I think I was only talking to my, one of my sisters about this recently because of all the stuff that's going on in our country and even our, what is it, Director General or... Um, uh, Attorney General. Attorney General. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all from the same schools. But like, um, but in, I was saying to my sister, until we are really honest about things like respect and, and sex and women, and, and, and honest, not sort of the, you know, sex education. Yeah, but actually getting into the realities of what these things are, we're never going to change yeah, because exactly. we don't want to talk about these things realistically. Everyone gets all funny about mm. you know, Well, it's just the, the narrative. Like, even as women, what we, you know, tell our little girls, oh, he hits you because he likes you. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's that sort He's of... pulling your hair because he likes you. Exactly, you know. And, and yes, it's it's mild, but it's still violence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, for a little when a little boy hits a little girl or vice versa, mm-hmm. that the fact that we associate that with some sort of empathy or love mm-hmm. when it's violent and, and I think that I mean that's the cornerstone of our learning as children and we grow up with this in the back of our head he's hitting me because he likes me or she's hitting me because she likes me and then we allow that to grow into domestic violence yeah we were touching on domestic violence so Sabi and I were talking about we won't get into it now but I will add to this beautiful uh, part of the story Grace Tame, who is the Australian of the Year, who took on the law over her rape and the silencing of the victims, all the people of the rape, she's come out this beginning, being the beginning of this year, and I feel that 2021 is going to be a year that we can start speaking, we can start talking, not only from a, a art 
point of view, mm-hmm. but mm. from a woman point of view in, in this environment that we're living in. And a human I want to touch on that in a minute, but let's mm. take a short break and hear from our sponsors. Hi there, my name's Jessica Kate. And I'm Ellen Rose. And we're the hosts of Murder in the Land of Oz, a new Australian true crime podcast. Ah, so we're starting off in Brisbane, our hometown, because relatable. Relatable. We're going to be coming to you every second Monday. So give us a listen, give us a like, and a subscribe. Come and join us on our journey where we explore the depths of true crime Australia. Oh, yeah. And we're back with Luke Mays from LukeMaysPhotography.com. Check out all of his work, whether it's uh, headshots, corporate shots, and also the short films which we're touching on. So Prep Rules was massive. Yep. Um, and it was a little bit of a, a replay of your life and your history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next film that you won major awards for was... Well, we did really well with a film called Silver Stiletto, which was about a vigilante drag queen. Ooh. We went and got revenge on a bunch of... Uh, Men who killed his brother years before. I like the sound of that. The bar scene scene in particular is epic. I don't know. So I have just a huge love for drag, everything Mm -hmm. drag. So yes, I'm definitely going to check that one out. Well, actually, we'll watch it afterwards because it's it's really cool. And guys, once again, if you want to see these productions, just jump on LukeMaysPhotography.com and Mm -hmm. and give it a like and give it a review even. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, the more please. people who can see your work, the more way, or the, the more ways we're actually going to be able to see Forever First Love. Mm. Now, tell us more about the drag scene fight in the. Well, well, yeah. So the scene is he goes into the bar and he sort of captures the two guys that murdered his brother because he knows who they are, and then they uh, end up in this big fight scene, but it's all choreographed to a musical number. Awesome. So it's all very so, good. so it's like snapping their arms and breaking their arm, you know, fingers off and. And so throwing them through things, and it's all done to the song that we had to. We had a really good song, but we weren't allowed to use it, so we had to rewrite uh, the song yep. to match mm. it. But yeah, it was a lot of fun to choreograph that. And uh, that's awesome. We shot that in like one day. It was crazy. Now, is it a song that was written specifically for the yes. film? Yes. Okay. Yeah. As a, as a director, I've noticed a couple of things in your productions. So the first one with prep rules, you have this scene where there's a, a music sort of increase and they're running onto the field for yep. sport mm-hmm. and then the the killing scene mm-hmm. in um in that last so production yep. thank you and then of course when paul is running through mm-hmm. the markets there's a, a crescendo of music yep. and sounds and colors and that seems to be a bit of a signature of yours do well, you believe that the mixture of sound and music and all of that together is, is how we get emotions across or is that, is that something you're trying to do yeah of course that's cinema that's what i think cinema is um, cinema is visual, it's sound, it's noise, it, it's, it's music. I, I, everything I do always starts with music, so I'll have a playlist where I'll listen to the music and while I'm writing it and stuff. But, and that all goes back to like the Star Wars and all the music in Star Wars mm. and all the films we grew up in the 80s, like Indiana Jones or Steven Spielberg or George Lucas or James Cameron. They've got music in them. I love that. That's why I miss at the moment. A lot of films today, mm. I don't feel... And those films all had pretty much the same composer. Sometimes John Williams, John Williams yeah. or James Warner or Jerry yeah. Goldsmith or yeah. you know Dances of Wolves. Like I saw a really good Australian movie the other day, um, High Ground, which was pretty good. And then I thought, you know, God, I wish that had just been made more like Dances of Wolves or something, just more of a sort of power to it, more of a mm. cinematic. Even though it was beautiful and there's a lot of great things in it, don't get me wrong, I, I did like the film, but that's to me what cinema is. And we're at the moment in this kind of discussion where people go, oh, but TV's now just as good as cinema. But TV is not. It's a different format. Mm. Movies are like a great visual, yeah. poetry, short story type thing. 
television series are like, well, if they're done well, like The Wire or The Sopranos, are like mm. a dense book. Mm. And that's the difference. And so there is still, I think, a lot of room for cinema. And that's why I love going to the movies. Yeah. And I can't enjoy TV. But, you know, I love, we've all seen Breaking Bad. Yes. Oh, love brilliant. it. But, you know, that's still a serial. Mm-hmm. It's still yeah. all based around dialogue and movement and next episode, next episode. And, yes. And, and I loved it, don't get me wrong. But then The Sopranos, if you've ever seen all of that, is very thematic. And every episode is written like a one feature film in mm. each episode. I could not get into Sopranos. Oh, I love it. I feel Game of Thrones is that way as it well. Does that too, yes, yeah. it, it I gave up after the Red Wedding and they lost me. Oh, right. really? Yeah, uh, too many people died in a row. Dead. Loved oh, yeah, well, a lot it. more do. Yeah. Well, then I stopped. I, but that's why I loved it, because you didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. You didn't sit there going, well, that person's a hero, so they're going to win. Unless you read the books. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Up to a point. Yeah. Up to a point. Yeah, so the, because the book, the book series actually isn't finished. Yeah. And they finished, they carried on, they went past the books on the TV series. Oh, I just so. don't know if I'm up to giving it a go. It's oh, cool. I love it. It's brilliant. Do you like it's, The Crown? I have only seen one season of The Crown, that's and I did enjoy it, but now that Julian Anderson is on, she's one of my favorite yeah. actresses. Oh, she plays Thatcher, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Brilliant. Okay, yeah, and I've heard, yeah, I've heard she's fantastic. But that's I another, love her. That's mm. another show that I think is extremely mm. cinematic, and each episode's its own little story, thematic, and then it all lines up into one big yes. narrative. It's like chapters in a book, Yes, like exactly, yeah. and that's why it works, I think. Really What's your well. biggest dream to do cinematically? I have lots, but if I had to do the most commercial type, I'd love to do a James Bond film. One day. Nice. And you want me and to be in it? Of course, oh, absolutely. Please don't make me the waiter. <laughs> oh, we'll try not I've to. been serving a lot lately in but films. There's a, there's a long journey to that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we could be evil geniuses. You could. Oh my god, yeah. make me a scientist. So I'm a chemical engineer by trade, so make me a scientist. <laughs> So we'll Love to I be am evil. not, but I can type really fast. Yeah. <laughs> yep. okay. But yeah, it'd be a lot of fun to make a Bond film. Um, oh, that'd be so There's lots of stories good. I want to tell and put out there, so yeah. But mm. something, you want to do spy, you want to do a little bit more adventure. Oh, I, I like drama. I, anything that's a good story. I mean, my probably my least favourite genre is horror, but mm. still even great horror stories. So horror is really big in Australia. Why yeah. is that? Because we started off telling these stories in Australia that were sad and depressing. If you look at uh, all of our major big productions that were appreciated overseas, um, they are productions where Australians are these tough guys get mm-hmm. from the bottom and get it through the top. Urgh! It's a struggle, struggle street. Right, okay. So we've moved on from struggle street, and even though we do have these great dramatic or these great documentaries, they can't see us as anything uh, of worthiness without having a mythical or, or a horror attached to it. Right. So once we get through the horror phase, then we'll be moving more into the drama and hopefully comedy. Even though comedy has been around for a long time, mm-hmm. um, it's not mm. really... I mean, look at The Castle. Yep. Yes. At, um, but it's it's the more dish. the castle mm-hmm. for me was more sort of not even well maybe slapsticky sort of mm-hmm. farcical as no, opposed it's to so Australian. It is. It is very Australian. I had to watch it twice. So I watched it when I first moved here, and I was like, I don't get it. And then three years later, I went, Ah, I get yeah. it now. And it was it was funny to me when in the beginning it wasn't funny. It's a bit of the cultural cringe. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great that we're actually moving past that that the kingdom or that that boys, all that stuff that was so drugs and gangs and bad yeah, people and all, that, all yeah. the stuff that was happening in Australia. Because yes, it happens, but it, we've moved but that's past not it all of what we socially, are. Yeah. Mm. And so now we're moving into horror, which is giving us a little bit more of a universe to, to mm-hmm. touch on. Yes. 
I really think we're in a, in a good position to start growing and creating some amazing cinema and some film. Now, Luke, I have a question for yep. you. I've known, and I've only been in Australia for 13 years, and I don't watch a lot of Australian television, but I have watched a fair amount. And one of the differences I noticed between American and Australian TV, I don't see a lot of situation comedies here in Australia. Do they do them at all? No, I don't think Australians have that sort of humour. We used to have a show years ago called Hey Dad, mm. which I never liked, but that was one of the rare ones. Remember Hey Dad? Yeah, but didn't he end up being a pedophile? He did, but... But that's in real life. <laughs> that, but, the show, but yeah, it was very popular, but I just don't mm. think Australians, we don't share that sort of stuff. What situation. about All Together Now? Don't know that show. All Together Now, starring John English. He was the father of... Uh, or oh, actually, he was a rock star. Is that the one with Rebecca Gibney? Yes, Rebecca Gibney comes in. She's like a social worker, and then there's like two little kids. I was in boarding school at the time. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> but was that Gibney. a sitcom? <laughs> Somebody is. Somebody likes Rebecca Gibney. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody did. Yeah. So, yeah. right. That's not something we do normally. But I know that American sitcoms tend to do well here. Yeah. And so that, and I guess that was my, so when I first came to Australia, and I'm used to traveling in foreign countries, and one of the things that I loved about traveling and, and getting into a culture was watching their television. So when I first moved to Australia, I was really surprised to see so much American television here mm. because you know I lived in Japan, I'd been throughout Europe, mm -hmm. and I never saw that much American television. And, and when I came here, it was basically like being home. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of disappointing because I was like, well, how, aside from going to work and meeting people, how else am I going to see, you know, what the kind of the ideal Australian culture is if I don't see it on mm -hmm. TV? So why why would you? What's the reasoning behind why we have this infiltration of American television here? Is it a money thing? Is it just that there's a I don't like I don't know. Is it that It'd there's a, a lack? It's a money thing for starters. Mm. I, mean, I, I, I think Australia though we've been lucky that. We do get a lot of the influence from England, the UK, and America. So yes. We sort of get both, which yes. is really cool. And, and they, we sort of try to, I think they do sort of filter out most of the bad the stuff. Bad so stuff, we only yeah. see a lot of the best of, not all cases, but a lot of cases. But a, lo a lot of it has to do with money. Mm. It's going to be easier for Channel 7 you know, to buy a, you know, a show in from America than spend money making their own. Mm. Unfortunately, it is all about money, and it's all about other broadcasting networks getting deals. So each year they have a certain amount of money they can spend with CBS or NBC or whatever. And mm -hmm. they want to buy, let's say, Buffy the Vampire Slayer because mm -hmm. it's really good. Mm -hmm. And with Buffy, they get one season of um, another little sitcom, which is on 11 and the next day. And they also get another one sure. of Home Improvement, the first so season. So it's like a bundle. Yes. So they yeah. get a bundle. Mm. And they go, oh, so they'll look at it and they will put a show on midday or, or 7 o'clock on weeknights. Just and it just sort of helps to fill their programming. It's, mm. it's actually a, a really smart way that America has infiltrated everywhere. Yes. Because they chuck in these. That's why they have uh, the season where we all do the, the um, pilot season. Yeah. They have yeah. those first pilots, those first seasons, and they chuck that all over the world to see what sticks. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And mm -hmm. what people will buy. Yeah. But the cool thing about today is, I mean, now that we have streaming services like Netflix or. or Stan. Stan or HBO, <laughs> whatever it is. Or Binge. Binge, mm. yes. They, you know, they are now making stuff for regions because they know yes. that people like seeing their own stuff. And we like seeing, I mean, a lot of people I know love watching shows from Scandinavia. 
Yeah. And they love watching SBS. Mm. Exactly. So all these things, now we're starting to get more of an opened up thing where we can see more TV from different countries, different yes. cultures, yes. which is a good thing. Yes. And I it's agree. good for us, hopefully, if they make more stuff here. I'm really yeah. excited that, that Stan has done some pretty cool Australian productions in Bloom. Yep. Um, we've also got that hilarious comedian, I can't think of him off the top of my head right now, but his show was on Stan. So I'm really excited to see what Stan brings to Australia in 2021. Um, but before we move on, we got to do our game. Ah, yes. So this is a new segment that Ness and I have started season two called Open Up. We had a song. We're not going to do a song today. Wait, can you sing, Luke? <laughs> I'm not singing. Oh, <laughs> you don't want to do a little like improv? Open up. Open up. <laughs> Yes. So we know what we do. We have our guest choose a question for the two of us. Oh, it's for you two. Yes. Yes. And I have no idea what this. You also are going to have to answer, I think, today. Okay. Sure. Sure. So am I asking this to both of you? Yes. Both. Yes. Have you ever accidentally sent an explicit text or email to the wrong person? Yes. Wow. What happened? So remember when Facebook Stories first came out, like a couple years ago? Um, I was dating a guy who lived in America, and it's so funny because my ex ex boyfriend's sister is the one that alerted me to it because <laughs> we're still friends on Facebook. So I sent him a picture of my boobs, mm-hmm. um, as you do, via <laughs> <laughs> Facebook Messenger with a little bit of a message. You sent it on Facebook Messenger. Messenger. Still yeah. though. <laughs> no, come on. I've had a couple of lines. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Anyway, and I sent it through, and I just pushed. Because it said, did you want to post to your story? Did you want to do this, this? And I went, okay, yes, yes, yes. And so posted it to my story as well as sent it to my ex-boyfriend now, but my boyfriend at the time in America. And I'm just sitting on my couch, having my wine, looking at the sunset, and my high school best friend's uh, brother sends me a quick message on Facebook. He says, Vanessa, I can see your boobs. You need to take your story down. And then my ex-boyfriend's, ex-ex-boyfriend's sister calls me, Vanessa, I can see your boobs. Take your story down. I'm like, wow. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. How long did that take for you to get the messages to take it down? 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Still there. 20 minutes is a long time in cyberspace. And now did Facebook, like, send you a warning because nipples? No, because it was quite arty. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Um, I've received a number of dick pics in my life, but oh, I've never, <laughs> actually, I, so I do have a photo of my boobs, but it's, it was for me, so I didn't have to send it to anybody, but I have shown it to people because it's quite amazing. I've never sent anything like that. Yeah. And I don't think, if I can say the word dick, is it? Yes, you can. You can say whatever you like. things to send in photos anyway. Not well. Stories about other filmmakers. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sorry, guys. 
So, I mean, I know there are tons of people that have done very well working in so porn. Yeah. yeah. Make a lot of money these days. Mm. That's a whole other episode. Right? It is, yeah. It well, is. I'm happy to know that I'm the only one that's accidentally sent an explicit uh, picture and that you guys are I'm innocent. impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're impressed? I am very impressed that, well, A, that Facebook didn't take you down because... Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a warning for making a, like, I made a, a, in jest, I said, oh, well, you know, all of us Americans, we're dumb, and I got a warning from Facebook for saying that, so, (laughs) you know, so I'm like, I'm talking, okay, fine, so uh, good on you for that, Facebook apparently liked your boobs, so that's great, Um, (laughs) and that there have been no repercussions, because, you know, once it gets out there into cyberspace, like, in 20 minutes, it only takes one second for a person to be like, screenshots. I don't think I'll ever be able to see Alison's brother and look at him in the face again. It's been a few years. Um, sorry, David. <laughs> sorry that you've seen my boobs. I apologize. But I'm assuming your face wasn't in the photo. It totally was. <laughs> it was artistic. It's okay. As an actor, um, I've done a couple of nude scenes, um, and I'm actually already online naked, so it's. I don't have a problem with it. Um, mm. Because I'm proud of my body and I'm proud of everything that I stand for and what I've done. Um, accidentally, whoopsie <laughs> daisies, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know what, I think we could have so many more conversations with Luke. We'll have we to get could. you back another time, okay? Yes. Happy to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I need to know more about what's going to happen with Forever First Love. Because I really think mm-hmm. it's, it's such a beautiful film and I can't wait to see or the, uh, the world to see it. Now, well, is there a trailer that we can share on the our... The trailer yeah. is online on YouTube. On YouTube and IMDb. Perfect. Yes, we can share that on our Facebook page. I mean, page. presently it's screening in Latin America. Oh, okay. Across Brazil and, and uh, Korea and uh, Southeast Asia. And it looks like we're hopefully about to sign off a deal for it to screen in America, Canada and UK. Wonderful. It'll be Australia. It'll be Australia who'll be last to get it. Yes. Um, That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Love to. We should. Um, We're very to. good at organizing screening parties. Love to. Love to. Let's and, do it. Um, you know, but it, it's getting out there, and it, it is interesting though. Once it started screening in Latin America, the amount of letters or emails or Instagram that I got a few, but mostly to the two actors was crazy. That's like amazing. I, I've never known that people would watch a film, then go online, then try and find the people involved. Oh, in they do. And, and, and it's surprising how much we've had come back our way. Well, like that's just a. a the script is really good. The conversations that your two main characters have are beautiful. Mm. Thank and you. I feel like so many people will get so much from this film. It's about time we had a film about connection. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like Forever First Love is exactly that. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, Luke, thank you so much for stopping by and chatting with us today. That's been wonderful. And good luck on the film. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to host the party for it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes, yes. We'll go to our friends in Dendi. They love us. Oh, yeah, they do. (laughs) All right, guys. My name is Vanessa. And I'm Asabi. And together we are Wine and Sympathy. Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 